Let's turn together again in our Bibles to Ephesians chapter 3. We read this passage last week together and we want to finish off just these two weeks looking at these words, this prayer of Paul's together this morning. Ephesians chapter 3. And again, we're going to read from verse 14, and I hope these words are becoming familiar to you. I was encouraging you to read them during the week and make this a prayer for yourselves and for our church family at this time. And so we're going to read these words of Paul again this morning. Ephesians 3 from verse 14. For this reason I kneel before the Father from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Let's just leave our Bibles open as we turn to it now, just for a few moments before we come to the Lord's table today. Well, last week we began by considering the first part of Paul's prayer in Ephesians chapter 3 under these two headings, inner strength and deeper roots. Using these words to pray for the church here in Lecumper, for all those who claim to know Jesus as Lord and Saviour, and have God as our loving, saving, heavenly Father. So let's keep seeking God that he may strengthen us with power in our inner beings and that we would put these roots deep down in his love so that we may love one another and the life of love of Jesus may be seen very clearly in us. Before we come to communion this morning, I'd like us to see what else Paul says and prays for the life of Christ's church. Notice with me that Paul prays that the Ephesians we read in verse 18 would have a firmer grasp. Let's look at that together. Verse 18. That we may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. A firmer grasp of the love of Christ. Paul's desire is that God's people really get what he gives that the truths that they know up here would impact their lives right here. Because the faith that we receive is one of head and heart. Some of you may be familiar with the name Graham Souness. He was a feisty, fiery, battling midfielder for Liverpool Rangers and Scotland. He was recognised everywhere as a footballer with a bristling moustache, but also a combative style of play, and today he makes his living as a football pundit. During the 1990s, one of Suness's huge fans began to write a biography of his life. He had grown up not far from Graham Suness in Glasgow. He had followed his career with interest. So he traced Suness's life all the way back to his school days, his early career, and then his unprecedented successes with Liverpool and Rangers. 
He recalled all the big games that he had played in, the highlights of his career, winning trophies, appearing at the World Cup, and so on. But soon as his fan, this particular biographer who was writing the book, had never actually met Graham Souness. Until one day he was sitting in Glasgow International Airport, and there was Souness sitting in the same boarding lounge, about to get on the same plane. He couldn't resist it. He went up to Souness, introduced himself as not only a huge fan, but someone who'd written a book about him, and he'd been a lifelong follower. But do you know what happened? Sunes brushed him aside, ignored the guy, and walked on to get a cup of coffee. The fan was gutted. The man he thought he knew, or at least had written about, his football career etched on his mind, the goals he'd scored, the medals he had won, he knew all about him, but he didn't know him. He knew all that he had done, But he didn't know the man personally. How disappointing. How utterly devastating in fact. And there's something of that in what Paul is praying for the church of the Lord Jesus Christ here. He longs that his dear friends in the church at Ephesus don't just know all about Jesus. Intellectually. Head knowledge up here. But they actually knew him personally by experience. Him working deep in their hearts. Folks, you can know all about Jesus. But if you don't know him personally, that's a terribly sad thing. To be so, so near and yet so, so far. But Paul longs that the relationship that we have with Christ is personal. Paul wants the Ephesians in verse 18 to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is this love of Christ. And you know that's something to challenge those of us who've been believers as well for many years. We can know and we can repeat all that Jesus has done for us. We can spontaneously say that Christ died for our sins, that we have been saved. But to what extent have we grasped the dimensions of his love? Has that love in all its fullness grasped our hearts? You see, Paul at no point suggests that his readers have never known this love for them in Christ before. Far from it. He knows that their faith is rooted and established in that same love. But he wants them, whether they've been Christians for five minutes or for 50 years, to grasp how great it really is. You know, we often talk about three dimensions. 3D as a shape that is solid and robust Maybe some of you younger folk have seen 3D films where you put on those special glasses and it takes you into a deeper experience of the drama and the action as it unfolds. Something that's almost touchable and tangible. But here Paul describes Christ's love not as three-dimensional, but as four-dimensional. In other words, like nothing else that you have ever experienced such as its area and perimeter and volume and scope and size? How much of this love do we not just know, but do we feel and experience day to day? For the more that you dig or stretch or pull or investigate what Jesus has done, there is always another layer. There is always another angle. There is always a deeper treasure to mine. 
And you see, that's why Paul prays for us to have power to grasp this love, because it is no ordinary love. We need his power because it takes time and it takes effort and it takes excited commitment to keep on digging into Jesus and his love. There is nothing on earth that can be compared to it or measured up against it. It is in a category all of its own. We need power from God in order to experience the wonderful dimensions of the love of God. How do we appreciate God's love for us in Christ? How can we measure it? Do we speak of 40 buckets of love? Three and a half acres of love? Paul has to resort to the word picture of measurement. The height, the length, the breadth, the depth of the love of Christ. But at the same time, there's a paradox. There's something that doesn't quite add up. Because the love that Paul wants us to grasp cannot ever be managed or measured. Because look at what he says in verse 19. That he wants them to know this love that surpasses knowledge. He wants them to feel something that can't be fully measured. And grasp something that can't be fully understood. So what's he doing? What's Paul playing at? What is he driving at? Some mystical, out there experience? Something deeper that any of us can engage with or understand? No, no, no. Paul is not that kind of writer. He is not that kind of pie-in-the-sky kind of guy who leaves us wondering. He is not some super spiritual saint who boasts about what he has and taunts others to come and get it. A thousand times no. Paul's prayer is rooted. In flesh and blood, the cross and the grave, the tears and the pain, the mourning and the weeping, the hellish torment, the glorious new life, the dust and the ashes, the heavenly reality of Jesus Christ God himself, leaving the glories of heaven for the suffering world of shame in this hurting world. Paul wants us to see that what Christ has done was part of that glorious plan of God, established in eternity past, carried out in all its wonderful yet ugly fullness on earth, so that we might be saved. Paul's prayer is not that we love Jesus more, but that we appreciate and experience more of his love for us. There's a difference there. And that makes a huge difference. Because if our faith rested on how much we loved him. One day we might be there and one day we might not be because we all blew hot and cold. But what Paul urges us to pray is that we keep looking, keep marveling, keep letting our minds and our hearts be stretched and pulled by all that he's already done for us in Christ to appreciate the limitless dimensions of this wonderful love. Paul's prayer is not that we would do more, but that we would See more. And maybe there is just a hint in what Paul is saying as to how we should appreciate Christ's love all the more. Let's take those dimensions of his love, how wide and long and high and deep, just for a moment. The love of Christ, Paul says, is so wide. Wide enough, broad enough to draw in all of humanity, Jews and Gentiles, religious and irreligious, all sorts of people, from all sorts of places, carrying all sorts of baggage, Christ's love can draw anyone in from anywhere. No one is excluded from that call. His love is so, so wide, so embracing, so encompassing. But his love is also long enough to last deep into eternity itself. 
His love towards us didn't just save us from the punishment of our sin in the here and now, but what he has done has lifelong, unending, death-defying qualities that take us even beyond the grave. And even more than that, the length of this does not just stretch forward. The length of this love stretch all the way back. It pulls us back into the councils of eternity where God the Father, Son and the Holy Spirit sat down and planned their wonderful life-giving rescue mission for us. And you know what? Way before time, way before the clock started and God made this world, you and I rested heavy on God's heart. For in Ephesians 1 and 2, we read that in love he chose us and he prepared us and he made his family home ready for sons and daughters like us. What lengths he went to in the past and it takes us well into the future. And his love goes deep enough, we read. Deep enough to reach the lowest and the most degraded sinner. Whatever you've done, whoever you are, In Christ there is always hope because he has gone down, down, down for you. No one, no matter how sinful, is ever written off. In Jesus there's always a welcome for those who've plumbed the depths of life. Don't believe the lie that the devil sells to the world. You're too bad to come to Christ. You're too black to receive the light. You've gone too far to be welcomed back. The love of Christ is deep. It goes to the depths. And even this morning, if you're carrying the guilt of the past or some awful shame of a sin that you just can't shake and you never dared share it or mention to even a husband or wife or a Christian friend, something that weighs you down and makes life an ongoing burden for you, Paul says, pray that you would see the sheer depth of his love for you. He can reach that far down. That's why Jesus came down and went down down, down to the depths of hell in his suffering and punishment in order to raise us up. All of us who were destined for that place, he went so low to lift us so high. And that's the fourth dimension, isn't it? It reaches to the heights. Jesus not only assures us of heaven, Whatever struggles we face or crosses we carry or pains we feel, heaven, yes, is our rock-solid guaranteed home as believers. That place where all tears will be wiped away and everything will be made new. Every previous pain will be forgotten. So whether you go forward or backward or up to the heights or down to the depths, nothing in all of creation will be able to separate you from the love of Christ. Paul prays that we grasp the dimensions of this love deeper, longer, higher, wider than any of us could ever imagine. And he wants us to get this in community as his people. He doesn't just want us to grasp this as individuals and sit quietly satisfied that we have understood. Do you see what he says in verse 18? Power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. It needs the whole people of God to understand the whole love of God. You can't make it to heaven on your own. It's a community project that God has set in motion. Jews and Gentiles, men and women, young and old, black and white, new believers, older believers, with all our varied and colourful backgrounds and experiences, we quite literally bring our diversity, even this morning, around this table. 
And as we look around, we're amazed, as we said last week, didn't we, that this is his church. And here we are in a day when in such a visible, clear, open way, we acknowledge together our need of his high, deep, wide, long love. Around this table we come as one. That's what communion means. Something in common. None of us greater, none of us lesser, but utterly dependent on the love of Christ. We sit around the same table. We will drink from the same cup as it were, eat from the same loaf, because we share in the same Saviour. We are saying in this act of remembrance that we are at one with every believer in this church family. That the sacrifice of Christ, the dimensions of his love, are broad enough to bring us together. Nothing and no one else can do that. So I pray with Paul that we would have a firmer grasp of Christ's love. That it would not just be all about what we know of him, but that we would grow in our knowledge of him. Continually, constantly amazed at what he has done for us. Keep reading. Keep praying. Keep gazing. Keep admiring, keep praising all that you see of him and keep asking for more so that his love would not just fill our minds but grip our hearts. And very briefly to finish, the last thing that Paul prays for the believers is that they might be, verse 19, fully filled. Do you see it there, verse 19? And to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Did you hear that? That you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And that is a line of a prayer that we often read, but how regularly have we stopped to think about what it actually says? Paul is asking to be filled up to the brim with God himself. Staggering as that thought may be, it is a prayer that asks God to fill us full of himself. In other words, that he would be fully seen and that he would be fully known in us and by us and through us. That as Christians we are to be holy as God is holy. To love as he loves. His perfection is to be our measure. His perfection and holiness is to be our standard. It is nothing less than what Jesus prayed for the disciples in John 17 when he asked his own father that the love with which you have loved me, Jesus says, may be in them and I in them. Paul prays with Jesus, as it were, that we might be full of Christian maturity, growing up in Christ, growing with Christ, Growing for Christ. Now all of us are painfully aware that we will never be perfect in this side of heaven. If that were the case there would be no need for any of us to die or Christ to come back for us to experience that. But we cannot just kick off our shoes and say well let that come. I'm quite prepared to hang back and wait for that moment. But at the moment I'm quite content where I am spiritually. I don't want to turn my faith into some kind of obsession. I mean I don't want to be known as some kind of radical or extremist. No one likes those sorts of people these days. I'm quite happy where I am. Let the likes of the ministers and the missionaries and the elders get on with the rest. But what we read here is a challenge to God's people, to all of the church, to all of the people, to all of us pulpit and pew alike, that we would be changed through prayer and faith and growing and maturing, that we are strengthened to grasp these dimensions of his love, that we're filled with him more and more, 
One of you heard the story of one of the wealthiest people in the United Kingdom in the 1950s. Over the course of his life, this man acquired an art collection that was worth millions. The rich man's only son had been killed in action during the Second World War. So when the man died, the entire estate was to be liquidated. His will directed that the art collection would be sold at a one-off auction. Buyers came from all over the world to London, hoping to acquire some of these famous paintings that had hung on the walls. And when the auction began, the first piece brought out was a painting that the audience didn't recognise. It wasn't a very good painting. In fact, it wouldn't have won any awards from any art critics. The auctioneer explained that it was a portrait of the owner's son who had been killed in the war. It had been painted by an unknown artist, and it wasn't even a very good portrait, but it stipulated that it had to be sold first. The auction began, but no one in that audience wanted to bid for the portrait. Finally, an elderly man at the back raised his hand and asked for permission to speak. He explained that he had been a servant to the master of the house, and he had served the young son faithfully as he had grown up in that household for many years. He had seen the son grow up. He had loved that boy very much. He said he wanted the painting, but he didn't have very much money, so he could only bid a few pounds. The auctioneer accepted the bid and then looked around the room asking, would anyone else like to increase the bid? But no one would. Finally, he declared the painting sold to the elderly man, the elderly servant. Then, to the amazement of everyone present, the auctioneer announced that the auction was over. It turned out that the will stipulated the person who bought the painting of the sun was to receive the entire art collection without any further charge. Whoever got the sun got the whole lot. And folks, that's the way it is with our God. Whoever accepts the sun gets a whole lot more besides. So let me ask you, will you, like the servant in that story, give everything you have to know and keep and go deeper with the Son? So that whenever, as it were, you hang the gospel painting of Christ and his love on the wall, that great artistry of grace, the cross and the grave and the glory, we get drawn into that great piece of work ourselves that's been painted for us and we grow to love it more and love him more. And treasure him more as our saviour, our Lord, and our dearest, deepest friend. He who gets the son gets the whole lot. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. And it is our prayer that we would grasp something more of the height, length, depth, and breadth of your love towards us, that you would fill us full to the measure of the fullness of God, and that we would keep looking and admiring and loving the Son, and that those wonderful gospel truths would go deeper in our hearts as we grasp them by your grace. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.